Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. The Irish Times Business Podcast in association with Irish Life. We can help your company and your employees look forward to tomorrow. We know Irish life. We are Irish life. Hello and welcome to Inside Business with Kieran Hancock, a podcast from the Irish Times. This week our focus is on Budget 2018, with the Minister for Finance announcing a 1.2 billion euro package of tax cuts and spending measures. Joining me in studio are Cliff Taylor of the Irish Times, Marion Finnegan, Chief Economist of Sherry Fitzgerald, and Peter Riley, Tax Policy Leader at PwC. We'll also be joined on the phone by Fia Kelly of our political staff. Don't forget that you can subscribe to this podcast for free on iTunes, and it's also available on our website, irishtimes.com forward slash podcast. Fiek, we might start with you. You're in the bowels of Leinster House uh, at the minute and you uh, observed this budget speech at close quarters. Uh, take us through some of the main speaking points. Well, the main measures, I suppose, Kieran, uh, on, on the taxation side are that we have seen Leo Varadkar and Pascal Dunn who follow through on their promise to raise the threshold at which people pay the 40% rate of income tax. It's very much giving definition to Leo Varadkar's promise to be for those people who get up early in the morning. That's rising by 750 euro to 34,550 euro. Now against that we have reductions in the USC uh, we have the 5% rate dropping by 0.25% and we have the 2.5% rate uh, dropping by 0.5%. We also have significantly increased spending, again, in the areas of social protection and health, fiver across the board for social welfare claimants, um, the increased spending for the Department of Health, somewhere in the region of $600 million. But to pay for all that, because the uh, room for manoeuvre was so tight this year, is the heavy increase in stamp duty on commercial properties, a 4% increase going up from 2 to 6 earning just below $400 million. That's where they're paying for, effectively, this budget. Some talk around Leinster House as of now as about as sorry on clarifications to that increase to make sure you know farmers don't get caught in it. Mm. Land that might be used for developing residential property don't get caught in it. So there's a bit of tweaking there, but those are the headline uh, I suppose grabbers from this budget if there are any. And what about the housing measures? A number of housing measures were announced in this budget. Yeah, quite a number of interesting housing measures. We've heard talk for a number of months about a new agency set up to drive house building. It could have been NAMA, but I think the Department of Finance looked at it, thought NAMA would be too difficult under state aid rules. So we have a new a new uh, agency which doesn't exactly chip off the tongue. It's called the Home Building Finance Ireland which will be funded by a strategic uh, investment fund, and that will provide loans to developers at commercial rates. We've often heard developers say they can't get access to finance at competitive enough rates. This will seek to, I suppose, uh, solve that problem. Again, if you see more detail on that, uh, we did an interview just there a few minutes ago with the Minister of Finance, 
and we asked him, you know, would a small builder who's perhaps in an area down the country only wants to build 10, 12 houses, would he be able to access finance from this? Or would it just be people who want to big, big developments in the suburbs around the cities? He said he would have to look at that in the finance bills so we wait for developments on that. Curiously, though, there are a couple of other um, options at tackling land or hoarding. I think one that we had been hearing rumblings about for some time was a change to the ca- uh, system of capital gains tax, whereby those who bought for a period after 2010 had a seven-year exemption. The period has been reduced from seven to four years, although you can still avail of the exemption. And the vacant site levy that's due to come in next year has been increased to 7%, but that increase won't take place until uh, 2019. So people who have a site, they'll get levied percent next year and then we'll go up to seven percent so we're having a bit of a carrot and stick approach here from the government to get the housing market up and running and also in 2019 he's announced that the rainy day fund will come on stream i think it's one and a half billion initially and and uh, 500 million a year thereafter yeah, and there are questions about how, how effective that actually is with that low level of money in it. I think people are questioning, questioning the value of it. Is it just, you know, to be seen to be doing it rather than to have any effectiveness at all in the, in the, in the future? Okay, so what's the reaction been in Leinster House? Well, it's... No doubt he's been showered with plaudits from the opposition I, I, benches. Not quite. It's kind of muted enough. Uh, I know it's easy for everybody to say, oh, we knew exactly what was coming in this budget. That's said year after year. But the nature of the governmental arrangement we have now, which is, you know, Fine Gael plus the independence backed up by Fianna Fáil, means that the budgets we're looking at uh, for the foreseeable future, because they're probably going to have minority governments for the foreseeable future, are going to be along these lines. Something for everything, a fiver here for welfare, a fiver there for tax elements of housing, because everybody has to be looked after. Fianna Fáil has to be looked after, the independents have to be looked after. I, like, there is no big, bold political play in this. The, 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 the most striking political message is that raise in the threshold at which people pay the in, uh, high rate of income tax. But apart from that, it's relatively steady as she goes. And I think the government just spoke to someone in government there who said, well, someone described this government to me as, you know, boring and nerdy. We're happy with that, if that's the way people are describing it. And often in budgets fake, it's the small print that trips up the government. There's something uh, sort of lurking in the shadows, if you like, that uh, emerges and uh, causes a problem for the government. Any sense that there might be something lurking for this uh, in terms of budget 2018? Not immediately. Sometimes you'll find that it's the TVs themselves who come across a kind of landmine in there. We haven't seen one so far, speaking to Fine Gael TD just a couple of minutes ago, said there was some disappointment that perhaps their cohort of voters, entrepreneurs, people on the higher rate of income tax weren't looked after to a greater extent. Um, one curious thing we found in it is, you know, this much-vaunted uh, strategic communications unit that's doing PR for the government. We were told it was cost-neutral. Turns out it's going to cost €5 million Euro wow. a year, and there's a bit of brouhaha about that, but no landmines found as of yet. OK, that's some expensive communications advice. Uh, Fia Kelly of our political staff, I know you have a, a busy evening ahead, so we'll let you go. Thank you for that. Um, Cliff Taylor, you've written a column for our uh, very fine online edition of the Irish Times and you've uh, essentially said your key message is that there was a little something for everyone in this. Yeah, something for everyone in the audience to use the old cliche, I suppose. I think as Afiq put it very well there, uh, the political setup that we're in at the moment is means that everyone has to be looked after, as, as, as he put it. So the independents had various demands, Fianna Fáil had various demands, so, so, and Fine Gael themselves had various imperatives, uh, particularly, as Afiq said, the mm. uh, desire by the Taoiseach and uh, the Minister of Finance to help middle-income earners. Um, so when you put all that together, even with a very significant amount of money raised in new taxes, a bit more, I think, than we might have expected. Uh, Even with that, uh, the demands on spending and the demands to spread the tax 
relief widely mean you know meant that there wasn't there wasn't a lot for anyone in this budget yeah. uh, in terms of extra cash. People to get up early in the morning because that's that was a key focus well, for he, Leo Acker in what his he could, but election I mean, it, campaign. You know, he started off with a small amount of money and he enlarged it a bit. But I think when you stand back from it, you say, look. Uh, the budgets are run on the basis that for every two euros, uh, for every two euros in spending, there's one there's one on tax in terms of in terms of new cash. So there's a relatively small amount of money to spend on cutting taxes, and that, I think that's reflected in in the amounts of money involved for people. So you know, for a single middle income earner, you're talking five six euro a week for. For a double earning couple, maybe ten euro a week. Uh, it's not a know, lot, is it? It's welcome cash, but it, it but it's but it's not a lot. Some people will gain a bit more depending on credits, and uh, they may qualify for 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 specific uh, specific reliefs or whatever. There's a bit more, for example, for the self-employed again. But you know, there just isn't there just isn't the money there anymore for the old style kind of Charlie McCreevy budgets of you know massive tax cuts. Uh, nor nor is there going to be in future, particularly with all the demands on spending, the demands on health. You know, I think one of the political issues here is can the health service manage even with a 5% increase over the next year? Uh, and, and the almost plaintive call from Pascal Donoghue, you know, for the health service to ensure value for money uh, and to ensure that, that, that uh, you know, that yeah. better services are delivered. It, those things aren't going to go away. The demand for to spend money on housing isn't going to go, go away. With all, that, with all that in play, there, there really isn't, isn't, isn't a lot of cash for tax. Okay, Peter Riley, you might take us through some of the major uh, tax measures. For example, on the personal tax side in USC, how is that going to work? Yeah, the, on, on, from a USC perspective, there's been a couple of changes. So the 2.5% rate has been reduced to 2%, um, and there's been a 600 increase in the band there. So you don't start paying the higher rate until you're at €18,772. Euro. Basically, why they've done that is they want to ensure that if you're just earning the minimum wage, that you will not enter the, uh, you won't enter the higher rate of USC. Then the higher rate of USC has been reduced from 5% to 4.75. Five percent. So, does everybody benefit from? Even if you're a really high yeah. earner, does everybody benefit from that cut? Absolutely. But yeah. obviously, proportionally, it, it benefits lower paid more than higher paid. Absolutely, proportionally, it benefits lower paid exactly more than higher paid. Um, when you, when you take those together with the with the relatively modest increase of seven hundred and fifty euro in in the band to get into the top rate of tax, um, you're ending up with you know as as Cliff has said not not huge uh, not not huge savings. However, up to seventy thousand and. Uh, slightly just over 70,000 you're in now a scenario where I think it's dropped to about 48% of your which is your as marginal tax rate previously. as opposed to 49 but, but above that you're still at 52 yeah. odd Just in terms of the threshold at which you hit the high um, mm. tax rate it's increased by t- 750 mm. euro but I think there was an expectation that it might go up by 1,000 euro yeah. So it's come in a bit below uh, what everybody was expecting. Yeah, I think there's been little bits kind of taken off everything um, such that you can pay for everything, as, as, as Cliff has said. I mean, I think you, you've asked a couple of times there, you know, as, as you've done stuff for people who get up early in the morning. I'm not sure you would get up early in the morning for what we've got, but it's signalling, I think, as to where they want to go. I mean, look, we've, we were expecting some other things that we didn't necessarily mm-hmm. get there. Obviously, there's the, there's the stamp duty, which... Is saying it's going to, you know, is saying it's going to provide about four hundred million. This is stamp duty on commercial property. On commercial property, I, I, I probably question that slightly, but uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure. And Marion could probably speak to it a little bit better than I can. But I think that the maths that I've done that would suggest that we're going to have ten billion of uh, sales or of, of movement in commercial property next year. 
the Department of Finance in the background documentation have said that last year it was four and a half billion and that included Blanchestown and a couple of others. So, A couple of other high profile sites, yeah. Now he did mention, Peter, uh, that he was going to do something on the tax side for share options for smaller companies. Yeah. So I'm not sure we have all of the detail yet, but how are you reading that? Yeah, I mean, this, this is called the keep um, the keep regime. I, I think it is. Uh, it's the key employee engagement program. So, so keep as an acronym. Effectively, it's for unquoted SMEs, and we don't know exactly what that means. But um, I would imagine that it's probably going to be in line with something like two hundred and fifty employees and below a certain income or below a certain revenue threshold. Effectively, what will happen is that if you want to keep an employee or you want to you want to attract someone, you'll be able to offer them share options. What would normally happen in that scenario is that if you offer someone a share option, um, when they get those shares, they would have to pay tax on the market value of them. Now, if you're in an unquoted company, you can't actually even sell a small portion of those to try and pay your tax. So the scenario here is that you wouldn't actually pay any tax on them until you sell them. And the real kicker is that you'd only pay CGT, whereas at the moment on the, on when you actually get them, you pay income tax PRSI and USC. So you're probably looking at a gain of anywhere between about 17 and 19% there in terms of the differential. And obviously, if we get to a point where we do start to see reductions in CGT, that'll get even better. So it is that is a that is a really good thing that SMEs are going to be able to see. However, they're, they're seeming to only cost it a 10 million. So they're not looking at a huge uptake in, in the first year anyway. But again, Devlin will be in the detail in the finance yeah. bill. Marion, property and housing did feature. They were front and centre uh, really in this budget. You must be absolutely delighted at the package of measures that Pascal who has announced. No. As, somebody, as somebody who's, what, Ireland's largest uh, residential house seller? Not, not quite. I mean, I think... If you look at where the biggest challenges are for housing, there's definitely some very positive measures in here and, and they're definitely laudable in their intent if you look at whether it's the finance uh, structure for, mm. for lending Just take us through the Take us through the various measures. So I suppose for, to begin with, he's looking at a capital programme around social housing. Now, we've been promised this type of programme before. So, I mean, the, the devil will be in the detail of how it can be achieved. We don't have a functioning landmark. We really don't have a, f- a functioning planning structure. We don't have the facilities to, up, to, to, to get that uplift in terms of, of transactions. So it is questionable how we're going to achieve 3,800 social housing has been built. I think that's what he was proposing although it was a bit questionable at the end as, as to whether I got that exactly right. Um, he's also looking at increasing the local area activational fund for infrastructure up to or, or by 75 million and that's very positive because one of the biggest obstacles for supply is that the area requires an infrastructure investment. It, it's not viable to both spend on the investment and build the properties so therefore the properties don't get built. So increasing that is, is very positive. So that's a good measure. And then you also have the funding for development. So these are all positive measures. They'll only work Work, though, if we have a functioning marketplace, we don't have a functioning development land marketplace and we have a lot of challenges in the planning structure. So they may not realise the benefits that we would expect them to realise as quickly. Also, if you think about as we approach this budget, what have we said the biggest crisis for, for housing in Ireland was the rental sector. Now, I know some measures were announced around that last week, but if you're really looking at the outflow of investors from that sector, rents are now 15% higher than they were at the height of the market. It's the one area that needed some significant changes and there was absolutely nothing in today's budget for, for the rental sector. And that is disappointing because as we face into a, a, approaching full employment, requiring strong migration back into the economy in the next five or six years, we require not only a supply of houses being built, 
but we require a proportion of them to be in the private rental sector and that there's nothing where, in today's so budget. Where is the evidence that there's no flow of landlords from the rental sector? Well it's clear from both the census and both from transaction data if you look over the last five years uh, for every one investor who's bought into the marketplace and really they've only been buying in the last couple of years two investors have been exiting so of our sales and we represent about 15% of the market 40% of our transactions every single year have been investors selling. Why would people selling. be exiting the rental market when there's such frothy rents to be had? Well, frothy rents are gross rents. So if you look at your gross yield, you may get a gross yield of 5%. But when you net that back after you paid your mortgage and your tax, your, re- your net yield is sub 2%. That is not attractive to investors. And if you bought at the height of the market, the asset that you're holding and that you're supplementing probably every month is probably still 30 to 40% below what you paid for back in 2007, 2008. So it's not an attractive place for investors to be. And therefore, they're so leaving. So why are big institutional investors like Kennedy Wilson totally and IRAs and other groups getting into market? They're a totally different tax structure and that's good. I mean it's very good to professionalise the industry and they're very welcome and they will bring much needed product into the central business district but they're not going to supply accommodation in the vast uh, majority of locations in the country and we need private rental accommodation not only in Dublin too but in everywhere else Sligo, Longford, Tullamore, everywhere requires a, a proper sure, rental Sure and yet when IRES went they wanted to build 492 apartments mm. in Sandyford and they were knocked back yes, not just by the local planning authority but by Umbrella Pernola Yes, and there's definitely challenges. Again, this is what I say about the, about the planning system. If we want to increase supply and realise the aims that are in this budget around capital expenditure in this area, we need to get our planning structure to facilitate increasing stock levels across the board. And that's just one example of where I think mistakes were made. OK, we'll take a short break now. When we return, we'll hear more from the panel about budget 2018. Back in a few moments. Only 29% of us know how much we need to live on in retirement. Irish Life is changing that with Empower, a new approach to company pensions that helps change the way your employees think about their future. For more, go to irishlifeempower.ie or talk to your pension consultant. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. Irish Life Assurance PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. All information sourced for Irish Life June 2015. Now, welcome back. Uh, this is Inside Business with Kieran Hancock. This week, it's all about Budget 2018. I'm joined in studio by a panel including Marion Finnegan, uh, Chief Economist with Cherry Fitzgerald, Peter Riley, uh, Tax Policy Leader with PwC, and Cliff Taylor of the Irish Times. Cliff Taylor, what do you make of these uh, property measures? Uh, I guess the problem, as Marion said, with the property market is that it's such a multifaceted, uh, there's such, such multifaceted problems we've got to deal with. So, Yes, it's useful to have measures that encourage uh, developers to bring land on stream as quickly as possible. And I think changes there are certainly called for. But there is an issue, you know, what about the planning on that land and what about the provision of services to that land as well, uh, which is a key issue for many developers. They have the land, but the services in terms of infrastructure, roads, sewerage, whatever, aren't aren't available yet. So I think we need to see, you know, there's, there's a full... Uh, kind of package of, of, of measures needed here to tackle this problem and the government seems to, is kind of struggling all the way I think to, to get far enough to do it uh, I think in terms of uh, the increase on commercial property uh, the stamp duty on commercial property interesting to hear Peter and I, I, I think Sherry Fitzgerald as well saying that the amount of money to be raised from that may be significantly less than expected and this is something that is coming from uh, I think across the property sector today coming from a number of press releases from uh, various uh, so have various they experts wrong this? well I, I don't know uh, but if they have what's, it, what's the implication because well, this is obviously absolutely. accounting for what it's accounting for almost, almost 400 the, million so almost yeah. half of the extra cash raised and, and I think you know the government has been casting around if you like for places to raise cash over the last while uh, and it's clear that the detail of this 
is only going to appear in the finance bill, which is kind of shorthand for saying maybe we haven't entirely got it all worked out yet. But if 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 it is if if the experts are right and and there is going to be a shortfall here, you know, say that four hundred is only for sake of argument two hundred and fifty million or something, that is a difficulty for the minister uh, because we've seen that the sums are so tight in the budget. Yeah. There are EU rules to be met. Uh, and the last thing he's going to want is to be heading into next year with a big question mark over over over. Sure, a but isn't he right? Isn't he right to increase the stamp duty I, on commercial property? Because let's face it, a lot of international groups have come into this market. They've spent billions and yeah. billions of euros buying property, commercial property, on the cheap. They've made they've made huge, some of them have made huge profits already. Sure. There's the exemption on capital gains tax if they hold it for seven years. Sure. That's now been reduced to four years. They have all of these uh, rinky-dink structures like REITs and yeah. uh, quaifs and uh, whatnot uh, where yeah. you can basically avoid tax. And even for those who have paid uh, tax, you know, their full whack of tax, it's still only 12.5%. Yeah. So isn't it, isn't it only right that I, we should be hammering them on stamp duty? I, I think we should. And, uh, you know, there was a big cut during the crisis uh, from 9%, I think, was the original level of stamp duty on commercial property. Uh, right down to 4%, that to 2%. That is extraordinarily low. It was, you know, a specific measure for specific times. And yes, absolutely, we need to, I think it is entirely legitimate to raise that up again. But I suppose, I've, I've, you know, the question is, have, have we missed the boat to some extent? In A lot of those transactions have yeah. taken place already, number one, and the profits are the profits are gone, maybe. Uh, that, that isn't an argument to not do it now. But it is perhaps putting a question mark over the amount of revenue that's going to be raised from this measure. And it is, as you said, yeah. the big new... The big new revenue raising measure in the budget. You know, I think they may have looked, for example, very seriously at the nine percent VAT rate, and decided late in the day for the hospitality sector. And decided late in the day that there were problems in doing that. That if you raised the nine percent rate for 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 one group, you had to raise it for everybody because of you know complexities of the EU rules, and 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 they fell back on this. And you just hope it's been it's been worked out. Marion Finnegan, have they missed the boat in terms of stamp duty? If they want to raise that type of revenue, I have a feeling they have missed the boat. I mean, certainly going from 2% to 6% is almost normalising the stamp duty rate. If you look at the UK rates rates across across Europe, it's not that unusual a rate and it, it isn't, it'll have an impact in the short term. But if you look at the volume of investment, so last year was one of the highest years ever for a pure direct commercial mm. property investment. If you strip out the residential arm of that, it was about 4.2 billion. And then add on to that other transactions, and these are good estimates, there's no finite figure on this, but our own and analysis shows you about 6.2 billion for commercial property transactions last year. Now stamp duty is payable not only on transactions but also on leases. So the detail is how how they got to 400 million. We haven't seen how that calculation was. That 6.2 billion won't even be 4 billion this year. So in a contracting marketplace for investment transactions and albeit a growing market for leases, it is I, I just don't I can't see how the mathematical equation can give you an additional 400. It just doesn't work out for me now. We will see the detail, hopefully, that yeah. how they came to that figure. Should but you be putting up stamp duty on residential uh, house sales? Because it's what it's one percent uh, at the minute, isn't it? Up to is it up to a again? That's a tr- yeah. For if you think about the residential sector, what are we trying to achieve? We're trying to tr- achieve some level of stability. Arguably, we've moved away from a transaction tax, which I think is 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 a positive thing, towards a property tax. Getting that balance right, I think, would give you a more stable marketplace. Taxing transactions per se is not necessarily good tax treatment, in my opinion. I think you're much better off um, to have a property tax that's effective and does what it's supposed to do, which is to allow people to move within the marketplace besides taxing them every time there's a transaction. I don't think that's so good. So it's OK for the sense. commercial space, but not for residential? It's more, I think, uh, n- 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 
not putting words into my mouth, Carol, but I think what they have done is normalise the commercial marketplace. They brought it right back down to 2% at a point in time to encourage activity. Um, you could argue they were successful in that and you could argue that a lot of the transactions were positively enhanced by that. And what they've done now is brought it back to a more normal rate. Now, it will have an impact on capital values. If you move stamp duty up by 4%, you're going to reduce capital values across the board in terms of portfolios and you're going to impact capital growth levels in the sector it will be absorbed over time, but we we can't say this will have no impact. It will have mm. an impact. Peter, is it going to have an impact for pension funds? I don't know, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Um, I think that... It, well, a lot of pension funds are invested uh, in commercial property. Uh, absolutely. But again, like a lot of the, I think a lot of those big deals at this point in time have probably taken place. If you look at, uh, now, if certainly what we think anyway is that a lot of the big, you know, you've seen... Blanchestown, you've seen Liffey Valley, you've seen Dundrum, those kind of ones have moved. I think we're probably going to see a lot more in the kind of mid-sector space. Um, That'll probably still keep going. Pension funds are going to pick the assets which are going to give them the best growth for themselves anyway. I think that they've, you know, in general, they're pretty smart investors. So I'm I'm not convinced that it's going to have a huge impact on them. All right. There was little or nothing really on the old reliables. It was just a fifty cent on a packet of fags, wasn't it? Fifty cent on 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 cigarettes. Nothing on 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 alcohol mm. or uh, petrol or diesel. I think you know there was a bit of Brexit concern in terms of in terms of fuel there, which which kind of makes sense. Um, cigarettes. I think I think they're going to keep going with that. You know, twelve euro now, roughly speaking, for a, a packet for, of fags for for a standard packet of cigarettes. Yeah, I mean it's expensive, and then. As we, as we were saying beforehand, if you, if you want to have a packet of cigarettes and then go on to a sunbed, it's going to cost you even more as well. Yeah, I, well, I, I just wanted to raise that point with Cliff. I know you're a big fan. Of, I know you and Mrs. Taylor are big, big fans of uh, sunbeds. Uh, how do you feel about this, uh, the, the VAT on sunbeds going up from 13.5 to 23%? Just going to have to move on to the spray tan, Kieran, I think. <laughs> uh, one of the interesting things actually looking at the, uh, looking at the budget book is there is precisely zero revenue. Uh, accounted for by this measure in the in in the budget. He did sums. mention that it was due to concerns about absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I think so. I think he's hoping people will come off the yeah, sunbed I mean, rather than. I think so. Yeah, obviously, yeah. obviously, they're hoping that uh, the, right. hi- the higher price will discourage use. Sure, okay. But certainly, if you were looking for a budget surprise, well, maybe there might be some cross-border uh, benefit for Northern Ireland uh, yeah. as a result of this <laughs> for sunbed in owners Uri. in yeah. Uri. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about Brexit, uh, Cliff, because it is a big issue for the Irish economy. Sure. Uh, Chris Johns uh, writing in a column. Uh, online for the Irish Times will be in our budget supplement our 16 page budget supplement uh, listeners which will be out on uh, Wednesday the 11th of October um, he's making the point that really there's a, a couple of potential big issues that could face the Irish economy obviously Brexit is one of them and his view is that really we're not paying enough attention to these we're spending every bob we're getting in we're not really bargaining for the fact that there could be some sort of global shock or some yeah. uh, external shock which could knock the economy sideways as clearly happened with the global financial crisis yeah i mean i think he's right uh, it's it's funny looking at the budget speech and listening to it brexit was mentioned again and again i think it was on every page 15 or 16 times 15 or 16 times yeah and and there is there are specific measures, uh, for, for, you know, to help companies adjust to Brexit. Uh, for yeah, so example, new, a new so three hundred million loan fund in credit available, cheap credit, I think, yeah. available to SMEs, yeah. and so that, that's like twenty five million for the agri sector. That's right. Yeah. So the cheap loans will come via the strategic banking uh, corporation through the through the through the commercial banks to businesses, uh, which which is, is good. Enough? Who knows? Uh, but but certainly. 
you know, there is a need for companies to invest uh, ahead of Brexit to improve their competitiveness because they're going to be facing a cost squeeze. And particularly for companies in the agri-food sector and farmers, and I think a lot of this is aimed at them, uh, there's, you know, a real head wreck facing, facing that sector while, while they await Brexit being worked out uh, because some of their big export markets could, could be closed off completely. Uh, you know, if if a deal isn't done between the EU and the UK, and they may not know until until fairly late in the day, so 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 it's a very complicated issue for them to deal with. On on the wider question, you know, I think Chris is right. This budget, like all, but you know, ministers for finance always have to take a bit of a bet on economic growth, what it's going to, what it's going to be like the next year, and do their sums on some basis. Uh, but we are looking at a situation where our biggest trading partners, you know, going to leave the EU uh, early in twenty nineteen. Uh, we're not sure whether it's going to be a transition deal or whether something's going to hit us then. It is a very significant risk. It's a significant risk to tax revenue. And you would have hoped maybe that Pascal who would have stood, been able to stand back a bit more and say, look, if growth is lower, uh, this is what might happen to revenues. We're going to get ready by, by, may, by maybe reining in things a little bit more. You know, there was a lot of play made about balancing, broadly balancing the, exche- the exchequer. And, and the minister's right, we have... Uh, we will meet the EU rules next year as things now stand. We won't have a balanced budget. But we won't have a balanced budget and we still be well, adding... We kind of promised that, weren't we? Well, they've, they've always used the phrase, bro- phrase broadly balanced, I think. And they are meeting the EU rules, which are the EU rules say that your structure, so-called structural deficit must be 0.5% of GDP and it's adjusted for growth and all kinds of, all, all kinds of Heath Robinson things that are very hard to understand. But we are, the important thing is, we are still borrowing to, to run the country next year, albeit not a huge amount, and we will still be adding to our national debt next year and the year after as things stand. And it might have been better just to, just to pull back a bit and leave, leave ourselves a bit more leeway. Yeah. Uh, Marion, just in terms of Brexit, obviously a lot of people coming into the economy uh, from staff relocating from London uh, as a result of Brexit with various financial services firms and so forth. That's a positive. Mm-hmm. But where are we going to house them? Yeah, that's the biggest challenge that we have. And, and you know, some of the measures today were positive for that, but the, the, some of them it is still lacking. I mm. mean, if you look at, at, we've definitely built enough office space. We've got adequate space coming through. There's about 350,000 square metres under construction in Dublin. That's really good news. We have no problems in those regard. We're a little bit expensive, but we're still competitive and we're attractive a location. But housing is the biggest problem. If you look at the two sectors, there's less than, if you look at our main urban centres, Dublin, Cork, Limerick and Galway, we've less, one, less than 1% of our standing stock available for sale. And of our private rental stock, we have less than 1% in each of those urban centres available to rent. So last week, if you wanted to rent a property in Dublin, there was 1,000 units available to you. Now that is just cripplingly low. And that's going well, to be What our would biggest. it normally be? I mean, what would a regular market, a regularised market be? We ha- we, we've never had really good data. So I can't think what Ireland would be like, but you would be looking at a multiple of that. You should have had five or 6,000 units available mm. for the Dublin market. So there's 115,000 um, residential, private residential units in the, in Dublin and only 1,000 of them available. That is our biggest challenge if we're going to remain attractive and remain competitive. And rents, albeit we have a cap on rental growth, they're still too high. And that is proving, I think, that will prove to make us uncompetitive. And it, it, unfortunately, again today, nothing to address that. Yeah. Peter, this is the first salvo, if you like, in, in, uh, in budget terms. Um, the devil will be in the detail and that's generally included in the finance bill. Mm. What should we be looking out for in the finance bill? 
I think on s- some of the items that we've been discussing already, so as, as we've discussed stamp duty, um, th- things around, uh, I'm interested to see about this, the, the vacant site levy and exactly how they're going to do that. I mean, if they use some of the old bills that were out there at the moment, I, I think that that actually might be just kind of dirty sites or, you know, kind of pr- previously used sites. So that, that mightn't actually get all the land banks, if you want, that we probably need. You know, there's a lot of fields that probably need that need houses in them. Um, on some of the other items uh, just I, that I kind of picked up that I was interested in, um, the, the, there's one in terms of benefit and kind on, on, on uh, electric vehicles, which j- just is quite interesting. The, the government or uh, Minister Donoghue said that he will give zero benefit, zero percent benefit in kind on if you get an electric vehicle. So if you're going to get... for one year. For one year, absolutely. So if next year you are due to get... A, um, a a new company car or something like that that's worth thirty thousand, let's say, and maybe then you get you get an electric car instead. Well, then you could be saving you could be saving um, you know kind of half of the value of that. Uh, so it's it's hard to see exactly how that's going to work and how it would work in terms of leasing and one year because he said he wants to evaluate it. So I'd be interested in that. I mean, some of the other items that aren't necessarily finance bill items, but, you know, the earned income tax credit, again, if we're looking at from a Brexit perspective, maybe slightly disappointing. That's only gone up by a couple of hundred euro. I think that even last year when we were sitting here, we were kind of saying, oh, my God, it hasn't reached the 1650, which the PAYE credit is. You know, surely we'll get there next year at 200 euro a year. We're probably not going to get there for another three or four years. It's not brilliant for entrepreneurs. And then the other thing, which we're not going to see in the finance bill, is there hasn't been anything done for entrepreneurs. There was an enhancement last year in terms of our in terms of our entrepreneur relief, um, but we have a one million euro lifetime limit of sales where, where you kind of can get CGT exemptions. In the UK, they have ten. Again, there's these kind of things which maybe from a Brexit perspective we might have been looking to see. Yeah. Cliff, I asked Faith Kelly earlier if there was anything in this budget that might trip trip up the government, as it were. We've seen that in past uh, budgets with various ministers. What do you think? I haven't spotted anything. I think one of the interesting things about the budget was that there was, to some extent, a limited amount of things done in a lot of areas. So there was a lot of expectation, for example, that something would be done for landlords, as Marion said. Mm-hmm four or five other tax things that had been kind of speculated that didn't happen. There was, we didn't see uh, the PRSI, USC merger. Absolutely. We didn't even get any sort of indication yeah, as to if said, it's coming or when it yeah, might come. Yeah, he said or, he's going to, I think, set up a set up a task force or whatever. Yeah, to that's kicking the can now. Well, it, 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 it is, of course. Yeah, and I thought there might have been something there particularly related to lower earners. Um, I, I, I guess if there is something... Uh, Perhaps it'll be in the area of whether that commercial stamp duty uh, move is actually going to raise the amount of revenue expected. There's also 150 million uh, counted in for a change in multinational tax arrangements, the way that uh, intellectual property movements to Ireland are are taxed. Uh, not, you know, it'd be interesting to see the finance bill detail and uh, and the detail behind that numbers. And, and there's also money, significant amount of money in there for, for tax compliance, uh, for better modes of collection. Uh, of taxes, so you just hope that the the extra revenue base is, is is built on a solid foundation. And if there is a, if there is something that might emerge, perhaps it's in that yeah. area. Peter, there are two interesting items actually. The the first is in terms of the intellectual property. So 
this is effectively off the back of a recommendation made by Seamus Coffey where he was saying that the amount of amortisation that you can put against your income um, should be capped at 80% for any given year. Uh, what, what the minister has said is that that is for all IP that's brought on shore post midnight tonight. So it's for new IP that's brought on shore. Um, so again, that's going to be a function of how much IP they expect to actually be on shore. Um, in terms of the the additional uh, the additional amounts for kind of uh, for for revenue and and the way they're going to go about that, PAYE modernisation is one that I, I kind of picked up. And from a business perspective, if you're sitting out there and you're in a business, what really revenue are saying here is we're going to we're going to invest in technology a significant amount. I think it was fifty million or something in technology, so that we are going to be able to better look at your PAYE system, so that we're going to be able to make sure that on a real time basis you're actually doing what you're supposed to be doing so that's one for kind of businesses to really think about this is something that's coming down the line and in terms of USC and PRSI I think that's difficult it's just really difficult because they're different bases and they're used for different things you know Okay, well, that's good news for high earners, I guess. Uh, we're going to leave it there for this week. That's it from Inside Business. My thanks to Cliff Taylor, Peter Riley, Marion Finnegan and Fiat Kelly. Declan Conlon produced the show, Rob Sullivan as sound engineer. Don't forget you can get the latest business news straight into your inbox by signing up to our business today. Email at irishtimes.com. And you can also follow the Irish Times business feed on Twitter and Facebook. I've also mentioned that we will have a full 16-page budget supplement available uh, from Wednesday. I'm Kieran Hancock. Until next time, take care. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 